Welcome to Well Played VHS, our video hangout sessions, the podcast where we discuss film and TV. I am Zach Jackson, joined by James Wood. Hello, itchy, tasty, etc. Et Nathan Hennessy. Yeah, hello. <laughs> hey, how you doing? And Adam Ryan. Ah, oh, oh, hello Russ there. Himself. Straight from Russ. The, the internet's terrible, so I'll probably be delayed by a couple seconds. But hey, I'm here. Nice to uh, nice to see you. How are we all? Ah, oh, about as good as the last time we checked, mate. <laughs> that, that's good. <laughs> I hope we're all doing doing well. Right, Baby. so we're here. We are here uh, on this special episode to have a spoiler discussion of Resident Evil, the Netflix TV series, which came out a couple of weeks ago. James, you've reviewed it on uh, over at Well Played on the website. Fantastic review. Uh, I've read Thank a couple you. and, you know, I m- might be a little bit biased, but I think yours was <laughs> easily the second best one I read. But um, no, it was, uh, no it, was, uh, it was the best one I read. It was, it was very, very good. Um, I said before, uh, too good for well played in uh, some respects, but uh, great work and we'll, uh, we'll talk more about it. But uh, before we get off to talking about the TV series, I want to quickly whip, whip around the room. Just double check. We have actually all finished the TV series, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. No. Uh, no. Second question. <laughs> second question. Uh, just to kind of get an idea of uh, what sort what what sort of fan you are, give me your top three Resident Evil games and your least favorite. Uh, of the least favorite can be whatever. If you've got a least favorite that's a spinoff, give that to me. P- would prefer a mainline least favorite, although I think I might have. Everyone's answers already known because it should be pretty obvious. But if there's a, a spin-off that you uh, don't like, do share. But give me your top three favourite Resident Evil games. The only um, uh, rule that I've got here is if you want to use Resident Evil 2, you, you've got to pick whether it's the original or the remake, for example. So just, just so we get a bit of you know uh, three different titles in, in that top three. James, you're uh, probably the, the biggest fan maybe. I might Maybe. fight you for that, but um, yeah. give us give us your top uh, top top three. Okay, uh, surprising no one. I think my favorite is Resident Evil Four. Um, I'm basic. I'm happy to be that way about that game. It's still a masterpiece to this day. Uh, second favorite would be Resident Evil Village. Um, uh, sort of the flip side to the Resident Evil Four coin as well. Just much more of a strange uh, horror vibe to it, and also treads with a lot of the same themes that I liked about the TV show. Um, and number three, Resident Evil Deadly Silence um, is uh, just cemented into my brain from my childhood. That was the first Resident Evil I ever played. Uh, that little DS version was so shoddy, but I absolutely adored it. Um, and I've got nothing but good memories of it. So, Oh, and my least favorite, sorry, is um six. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Nathan, what do you got for us? All right, so I'm assuming this is in no particular order, so I have to obviously uh, make, make due mention of Resident Evil 4, it was not my first, uh, probably my second. My first was Code Veronica X, oddly enough. But it was the first one that I stuck with and the first one that I finished. And then I'm pretty sure the moment I hit the credits, I just rolled straight through that game on a harder difficulty. <laughs> I went straight back into it. And you don't get that with many games, even as a youngster. So, remarkable. Second is Resident Evil 7, which might be a little contentious here. For me, uh, Atmosphere killed that game in the best way I... Couldn't get enough of it. 
although it does have its flaws, and I'm pretty sure we would all be in agreement of its flaws, particularly in the latter part of the game. The ship, enough said. Um, at, <laughs> James is a little unsure <laughs> I'm on that. Some faces. <laughs> he, he, he might redeem that. And uh, my third will be. Oh, Resident Evil 2 Remake, of course. An exceptional remake, uh, a real standard setter in which they managed to preserve the best of the original game and spice up with new elements that don't detract, simply add. My least favourite is... Six was a contender, but no, it's going to be Zero. I bounced off... I don't think Zero or Six are inherently bad games. I don't think either of them are bad games. But in terms of my least favourite, it was the one I bounced off the fastest. I didn't quite like the linear trajectory of going back and forth between carriages simply to find different paths to go back and forth. And, oh, now the door's locked. I've got to find, got to go up or below. Kind of wore me out really quick. I think I bounced off it within two hours. Six, I bounced off of that probably about halfway through. So it definitely kept my interest longer. Adam, what's yours? <laughs> to, These I'll, boys I'll are let, sweating. I'll let you. I'll let you seethe for a little while. Um, I'm far newer to the series than I think all of you. Uh, my first Resi game was Resident Evil Five, um, and I've kind of I've not delved back into the backlog. Like I haven't played the original. I've, no, sorry, I've played a little bit of the the remake of the original. So it still had the tank controls, but it was all prettied up. Um, my favorites are all the the modern ones. So. In the third spot, I suppose, it's Resi 7, because I think the the tension in that game is fantastic and the setting is awesome. Uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake is in the, the middle spot, because uh, it's just got a layer of polish that you don't really see on many other horror games in particular. Um, and my favourite is Village, because I think it keeps things fresh throughout the game in a really interesting way, and there's lots of different experiences to be had. There's... Uh, it, it, First and foremost is a survival horror game, but it changes what face it's wearing quite a few times to, to keep things feeling new. So, yeah, I'm, I'm newer to the series than, than everyone else, I would say. Well, what about your least? Uh, Resident Evil 6, because it was dog shit. Fair. <laughs> uh, for me, third spot is the RE1 remake. Uh, I mean, RE1's the first game that I actually played, and, you know, that game was terrifying when I was a child, and then to play it again... Um, it's actually why I bought the GameCube was purely to play uh, Resident Evil One and Resident Evil Zero, but uh, that remake is is fantastic. Yes. Two would be Resident Evil Four, uh, again like phenomenal game. Um, just a bit like Nathan played it once, played it again, played it a third time. Uh, I bought like the actual official like Brady Games walkthrough for it. Uh, you know, played through with that. Uh, had I did too, and it was a good <clears throat> read. Mm, big poster of um, Leon in the in his sexy jacket and the big chainsaw guy. Like I had that like in my room and uh, loved it. But number one would be the RE2 remake. Uh, I think that just the original was so good. But then playing a modernized version of that and like a re uh, revamped version that just held up everything that was great about the original and added new bits to it and you know made it more modern just was fantastic and playing it again through recently just yeah like i was really really loving it and if you want to hear about that tragic story check out the, uh, the World Play <laughs> DLC. episode 139 um, episode 139 i have not gotten over it yet but i've forgiven it for now all right let's get into um did, did you tell us your least favorite there 
Oh no, sorry, RE6. Sorry, I thought I thought that was. <laughs> that was obvious, Nathan. Yeah. Come on, um, goes without no, saying. I, uh, but yes, RE6 was uh, the worst. Even though I do, uh, I don't want to make this about the games, but I actually find that Leon's campaign was probably the best. Again, probably mm-hmm, biased, mm-hmm. but I thought the opening of that part when he was in like un, in the underground tunnels and then in like or and I can't remember if it was that way first, but in the uni. Uh, and then in the underground tunnels, that was I thought that was actually like really really well done. I agree. And then it just fucking imploded <laughs> from there. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So all right, uh, TV show. Yeah. Speaking of Wesker's kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the series has had some some films. Uh, it's had some newer films that aren't really related to old mate Ando, um, with the one uh, Welcome to Raccoon City recently. This is another sort of adaptation of the series. James, you're the official reviewer for Well Played and probably the best person uh, that can articulate what this uh, TV show is about because let's be honest, I'm not very good at talking sometimes. So tell us what exactly this show is and give us a quick summary of uh, how you felt of your review. Yeah, so Netflix's Resident Evil follows two timelines. Uh, one of them is set in uh, 2022, uh, in which we find uh, Wesker, played by Lance Reddick. He has moved to a new Raccoon City. Uh, so this is very much in line with the games. Uh, all of those events have happened uh, in the past. This is a rebuilt umbrella. They are trying to reestablish their image. They've got a new CEO at the, the helm and everything. He moves there with his two daughters, Jade and Billy. Um, and while we follow along with their really strange family dynamic in this corporate town, we also flash forward to 2036, where uh, Jade is wandering around in a decimated world, trying to figure out how to sort of curb the uh, the zombie outbreak that has of course happened in the interim um, and then the show across eight episodes kind of follows those two timelines mostly focusing on the 2022 stuff initially and then sort of shifting to more balanced uh, towards the end uh, to explain how these characters got to the point that they are at and um, really unpack the 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 big Wesker uh, sort ofness of it all um, I came down pretty positive on it. Uh, I gave it a, a seven and a half because I do think that it has some technical problems that we can talk about. There's some pacing issues and whatnot, but its ambition for me is, is what solidifies it as a interesting and worthwhile adaptation because I look at this and I think, yes, it's messy in some cases, but um, messy with a goal in mind is much more interesting to me than clean with a uh, retread in, in mind. Um, and yeah, I came away very intrigued about the potential of a season two, because I would love to see what these guys with, with their sensibility of what resident evil means to, to this particular creative team, what they could do with a bit more money, hopefully I, I think would be very interesting. Mm. And, and just um, for those listening, this is a spoiler cast. So if you have not watched it and you've got to this point and you do want to, uh, save your ears, go and uh, watch the show before you come back. But uh, James, just quickly, what makes, uh, without the the obvious bits, what makes this Resident Evil in your opinion? Because it is such a, a different spin yeah. on, the, on the series. Um, I mean, look, surface level, you can say like it is directly following on from the lore of the games. They're not afraid to reference it. They make jokes about it. it it's very much in the DNA of the show. Um, 
To me, what makes Resident Evil Resident Evil, though, is uh, I guess you got a couple of like core factors to it. Primarily, um, some f- sort of vague skewering of corporate culture, which is like rampant in this show. Obviously, the zombie apocalypse stuff as semi commentary on oh, humanity and who's the real virus and blah blah blah. Um, but you know, I, I think that. I, I like that Resident Evil can mutate into different forms depending on the adaptation that you're, you're going to be looking at here. Um, you know, staunch defender of the Paul W.S. Anderson films as trashy, you know, stuff that they are. Um, I enjoyed them for what they were. I think the games, um, as we talked about before with like Village and uh, the remakes recently, have gone in a very not self-serious, but like they are taking it seriously while also having a laugh at the inherent like ridiculousness of Resident Evil. Um, and I think that's working out really well for the games and they're, they're thriving over there on their own. Um, and I think what this comes along and does is says, all right, we're going to take all of those staples, all the things you recognize, all the names, all the iconography, and then, you know, sort of remix them a little bit and, and sort of see what Resident Evil could be if, I mean, this does take itself quite seriously. I, I, I don't think it is always serious. I, I think it has a sense of humor about the ridiculousness of the franchise. But I think that the core stuff that it's asking you to care about is more advanced than what a lot of other Resident Evil has ever asked you to care about. These are real people at the, at the heart of the show, even if you think they're broadly drawn. And, and I do have some complaints about that as well. Um, I, I think that, yeah. So what makes it Resident Evil? I, I don't really know. Cause I don't know what makes anything Resident Evil at this point. It's, it's kind of like Star Wars where I think that you can take it as a, a moniker and as a franchise. And if you've got a good idea and you are, you know, faithful to the source material or whatever, you, however you want to describe it, uh, you can sort of do whatever you want if it's, if it works. Mm. Yeah, I guess I guess my question was more because um, I really, really liked the opening of your review. Like I think that the opening paragraph that you've written, I think that sums up the series very well um, and probably not in a way that if you'd asked me that question, like I wouldn't have probably considered that. But then having read those words that you've written, um, I think like you're very much right there. Like it's you're right. It's some of the goofiest shit to ever be put or accepted by like mainstream audiences and you look at some of the stories and what the games have done and even some of the films like and it's it's out there like it's 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 absurd but um and this show's got like a bit of all those sort of bits and pieces like it's got the seriousness but then it's also got the goofy things as well and um so i think in that regard it definitely feels like resident evil without going hey it's got umbrella it's got this and that um so i think that sort of tone and that vibe of it Sort of de- definitely, um, it's got like a good, good uh, spread of uh, Resident Evil flavors in there. Nathan, you've also well, well watched it. That's why we're here. But uh, give us a quick summary of what you thought of um, of the show. So for me, the big highlight was Lance Reddick's Wesker, which going into this was very odd. You know what? And look, look. Let's just state the obvious: we've got a black actor in the shoes of Albert Wesker. I had no issue with this. I think Lance Reddick is the man. And so getting him in this role, I thought, brilliant. What are they going to do with it? And I thought, okay, this is probably not going to be tied into the Wesker that we know. Doesn't matter. Because what they do with it is so bold and kind of interesting in how it engages with the Wesker that we know. So I think in terms of if you've come in from the games and you've invested in these characters... This is definitely a really interesting hook. So this is what intrigued me most about the series, Lance Reddick's presence. It's what also delivered on it the most for me, 
but he mostly is a feature of its earlier timeline. That's not to say that this that the later timeline doesn't have its hooks. They just come a little bit later. So we'll go into it a bit later, but I think the strength of its later timeline takes a little bit longer to sort of bloom. And I think that's when we start to see that goofier side of Resident Evil come to the fore. And I was so pleased to see it. There are some really bombastic moments in the back half of the series that have made me... Uh, I... I'm super, super keen for a second season. I'll be devastated if Netflix do a Netflix and we don't see more because they've really set up some... They've made it very obvious that they're happy to take some very big risks and do some very gigantic nonsense in terms of servicing the kind of monsters and bosses and absolute sort of endgame chaos that you get in pretty much any given Resident Evil. So the fact that we see a kind of Resident Evil trajectory of the games in this series in some sense, I was very excited by. Um, definitely, this is this is the most excited I've been for a Resident Evil adaptation. Yeah, I think because uh, us three were on the Welcome to Raccoon City talk and uh, you compare... The Wesker we got in that to the Wesker we got here. <laughs> oh my! And oh my! Oh boy! Oh boy! Too vastly yeah. uh, different characters. Adam, what uh, what do you make of it? I I really enjoyed my time with it. I know when I was part way through it and we were discussing it, Nathan. I think you had finished it at the time, um, and we were discussing how the series buries its lead. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the way that it, it doesn't feel very Resident Evil to begin with and then kind of grows into the series as it progresses. And I know that some people will probably bounce off that. They'll watch the first two episodes and go, hmm, this is not really the Resident Evil that I enjoy. For yep. me, I think it gave a level of intrigue that made me want to watch it more. Um, and that was probably in part helping uh, help to out by Nathan, you saying, nah, you really need to stick with it because by the end of the the series, it is very authentic Resident Evil. But I was intrigued that they had scattered in enough of what I could recognize as Resident Evil within this framework that was so different that I wanted to see how it evolved. And by the end of it, I was very satisfied with what I got. And it definitely fit in kind of the the goofy ridiculousness that is the Resident Evil series. Um, but in a very heartfelt way like it it definitely has it does have heart which i wasn't expecting i expected it to be just kind of this dumb action romp that kind of gets you from point a to point b um but yeah there was a a lot more emotion to it than i was expecting so overall yeah there's definitely some less than stellar parts to it and it's (laughs) i'm sure we'll go into that but um i really really enjoyed my time with it again i'm by no means a Resident Evil Stan. I very much enjoy the series and I'll be keen to see more, but from, yeah, from a, a perspective that isn't someone who lives and breathes the series, I had a really, really good time with it. See, I think I'm, I think I'm the hardest to please. Um, and I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what I want. Like I could tell you what I want, but I don't really know what I want. So I think as a, I'm pretty much like, I'm a very, I just want a traditional. I just want a Resident Evil that feels like Resident Evil. Like I just, as a bit of a traditionalist, I just want uh, an adaptation that hits all the points from the games that I want, and then we can talk stuff that's outside the box. And I think the early chapters of this, this is 
what I struggled with. And that's the same with uh, Welcome to Raccoon City because I thought that had a lot of promise and a lot of good, uh, had some chances to be an authentic Resident Evil experience, if, if, if you want to call it that. Then they butchered Leon and then... Then they butchered Leon. <laughs> so then, you know. Um, and here I just, I, I, I got 20 minutes in and I was like, this is dog shit, I'm out. This is fucking junk. Like, I'm done. Actually, it was most mostly... No, I can't throw it under the bus. No, look, look, I, you know, I, I came back to it, but uh, yeah, I, I, it took me a while. I didn't love it still. I didn't, don't think it's anything amazing. Um, some cool Easter eggs, some cool throwbacks, which we'll talk about. But yeah, I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm still got one foot in that traditional thing where I just, I can't let go. Like I can't, can't let go of what's made me love this series, and it's what I want to see. So I'm still. I'm getting better, you know. I'm I'm improving, but um, yeah. Like the, I think there were some good bits. Like uh, Lance Reddick is Wesker is something that I took a lot of time to just process, um, yeah. because I was like, this is not this is completely different to what I know. This is not the Wesker that uh, you know that I have played in the games and or you know seen in the games. So I'm trying to yeah just. You know, I thought he was very good. I thought he he's a great actor, but yeah, like little things like that that just took time. And then as it kind of went on, I'm like, when's it? Yeah, but we'll we'll talk more about it. But that was probably my probably would be a five and a half for me. Maybe maybe a five down the middle. Enjoyed the back end a lot more. Um, there's a few scenes I really really did like, but yeah, didn't. I would I would definitely like them to have a second season though. Um, I think for something like this, or just things and just creative stuff in general, it's very hard to judge something based on a first season, like on a first first uh, take on something. I think they need a couple seasons to kind of flesh it out and see if it's going anywhere before they pull the pin. So five from memory, that's pretty much where you landed with Welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah, different reasons though. So yeah. I thought Welcome to Raccoon City had a lot of a lot of good things game wise about it. Sure. Um, uh, this is a very, very different experience to Raccoon City. I definitely enjoyed the TV series more than Raccoon City. Um, yeah. but I mean, Rac- Welcome to Raccoon City was, um, yeah, like you said, it had those sort of like more faithful beats, at least to the yeah. games. It cribbed a lot of the aesthetics very directly, but it was also just not a good movie. Like right. it, it couldn't function as its own piece of media. Um, like, I, you know, I you can go back and listen to that episode. Like I was entertained. I don't think it was very good. Um, and I, I come away from Resident Evil on Netflix being both entertained and entertaining the idea that it actually was semi-decent, um, which... Like, my review is quite glowing. Uh, I didn't initially start that way. Those first few episodes, I had a similar experience where I was like, what is this? Like, I was intrigued by it, but there was also a lot of choices that I found very alienating. Uh, you know, I think I messaged you at the time being like, there's a lot of high school drama in my zombie show. Um, mm. I was very confused by that. And then I remember when I finished it, even then I was like, that was kind of fun in like a dumb way. Like, you know, I, I think I needed to coat my appreciation in irony before I came down a few days later and was like, you know what, actually let's dive into why I kind of emotionally connected with those characters. Cause I think it was around the midway point where I know someone, some of them was in danger. I think Jade had made a mistake when they're on the boat or something. And I was like, and I was like, Oh, why did I have a reaction to that? Like I obviously do give a shit about these people. Um, and once I hit that point, that's when I started really trying to give a real good faith interpretation to, to what they're going for here. Yeah. I think just um, back to what I said at the very start, like I don't know what I want because 
I think as as what you said, James, I think the the games in the stories, sorry, the stories in the games probably aren't going to be good films. So mm. I think having something that is different, that is that is a different spin on the series is good for it and it's a good way to tell the story of these characters in the world. I, I, that, yeah, so I don't think I'm going to get what I want. Um, I, I don't think anything that is made is like the, probably the closest things that we'll ever get are the anime uh, movies really that uh, what I'm looking for. But um, no, I, I did like that this was a different take on it. Um, but yeah. So from the story, uh, Nathan, what what uh, what did you like the most, and what did you dislike? Were there any? Yeah, what were some things that you? Because I think the high school drama is something that we all quite uh, agree on. Um, very odd, baffling, baffling. Um, th- there's even just parts of that that, to me, maybe I was glossing over. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I'll give you an early example. Uh, it, it's Billy, is it Billy? Is that the, 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 yep. Um, has the inside of her locker has the school mascot's head, uh, helmet, which was used in a, in, in an assault on the school. And I just couldn't really figure out why it was in her locker and why she was being framed for, for this assault. I understand that it heightened the drama, but again, it was drama that I don't think any of us were invested in to begin with. And then to this, and then it's kind of seems like the series kind of wises up or and 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 relegates that drama to the side in favor of investigating the Umbrella Corporation conspiracy. And you know, okay, we're back on track. This is we. If you've been playing the games for years now, there's nothing more familiar than Umbrella Corporation conspiracy. So that you know, familiar territory. Glad to be back on track. So that that. Again, that was my kind of low point in the story. Uh, also, the low point, I, I wasn't really following that first episode in 2036 when they're sort of investigating the uh, the zombies and we can just sort of get up and get up close David Attenborough style and she's all cruisy until we decide to shed some blood and then they go feral. Uh, I wasn't entirely keeping up with all that. Uh, it kind of felt a bit hackneyed. Uh, but then, again, as we go on, it, there's this weird kind of quality shift that I'm surprised wasn't more evident in the first few episodes where there is a market shift from very perhaps mediocre story to, okay, there's there's some there's some roots here that are interesting. Uh, when we're seeing, for example, in 2036, we've got Umbrella Corporation, a kind of this considered perhaps a kind of benevolent private military company in a sense like they're kind of our benevolent protectors but we don't dare cross them because they wield more power than governments so i don't think we've fully seen that story fleshed out but we've seen the start of it enough to get me quite interested in where they'll take that in the second season who the main actors are in that um in that timeline with umbrella and and what conspiracies are sort of operating there in 2036 in the 2022 I'm just disappointed that we didn't see more development of place as New Raccoon City. You've got all these prefabbed houses, everything's uniform. It's We're in South Africa. Um, I never quite fully appreciated why we're in this part of South Africa, other than the fact that it's a different part of the world for a bit of a, an image change. Um, I thought they were going to develop the town a bit more. You know, there was kind of, at first there's this eerie sense um, you, they, they do something really early on where you see a gigantic um, mutated worm in 2036 and then we see 
what seems to be the same worm in 2022 in New Raccoon City sort of squaring about and you start to think, okay, so we're going to see the origins of a big mutated outbreak here and it doesn't really happen. So there's some kind of weird, um, I don't know, I red, red herrings perhaps. For, um, the, so, yeah. for the one in 2036, was she in London? She was, she so. was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's some funny stuff as well, like the fact yeah. that we can just... Um, go from London to France by just having a quick little couple of hours stroll in the, in the tunnel straight through the, uh, um, through the channel there. Some, some very odd plot holes that are just going to trip you up and you've just got to suspend your disbelief and move past it. And that's, that's going to be a big ask for some people, I think. And that's mm. a shame because I think it's best, stories probably in the back half perhaps is that not something though that you could say of any resident evil title um that there needs to be a suspension of disbelief on the audience's part like well you said. know you know we, we talk about how the series is so well known for its ridiculousness and people tend to embrace that um and then with these newer adaptations of it um and i i am thinking of the paul w sanderson films again so i'm sorry but like you know the the idea that like that same uh ability to just enjoy the fantasy for what it is isn't extended to these things because they look different or because they sound different or they feel different to what has come before it um i think that's where i get a little bit tripped up on why these adaptations are met with such vitriol um because like the games are full of this shit like to the (laughs) brim (laughs) yeah uh adam you got any thoughts on on the story um as far as least enjoyable is definitely the the early parts of the teen drama less because of the the teen drama part of it and more because i just really disliked both of the the main characters um particularly no 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 they they were both irritating in different ways but i i bounced off them real hard to begin with and was like i don't want to follow either of these people the the 2036 storyline less so um obviously because they're a bit more matured i guess in some ways um the part that I, or the, the, the sequence that I enjoyed the most was also in the 2022 part though, which is where they're piecing together what is happening with Umbrella, but it's also the origins of the outbreak and they kind of tease where the outbreak began. And there's kind of multiple pathways that that really could have branched off from. Um, so them kind of teasing, you know, how did the world go to shit? I found really intriguing. They, I don't think they ever really get to, overtly telling you where things kick off um which is kind of another like uh breadcrumb trail to to season two but yeah i think the the best and worst parts or most and least enjoyable parts for me were both in 2022 i found less entertainment from the 2036 storyline as a whole again like you guys have already said in the, in the back half, it definitely gets more enjoyable. And as the action ramps up, there are some really dumb but fun sequences. Um, but yeah, of, overall, the the high school drama could really get in the bin for, for me. I mean, I, I gather that it's to, to build these characters and show that they're human, but I think there's probably more effective ways of doing that, less annoying ways of doing that. But yeah, it, it sticks around for long enough to be annoying, but not too long that I switched it off. So I suppose that's a positive, I guess. So what I didn't get is why... So when the first drama at lunchtime goes down with Billy and that <laughs> other that first girl, that yep. other girl, from what you can gather, looks like she's a 
don't want to say this word, but she looks like she's a bit of a loser. She doesn't really have any friends. And then yeah. she comes and bullies Billy. I thought they were going to become bros or whatever. Yeah, and then I thought that was just, confusingly coded as well. That was mm-hmm. like, why? Like, like why? Though I did love, though, absolutely love the big dick move by a big old Wesker when he just shat on <laughs> her, her dad. Like, it was like, you know, they can either fire me or they can fire you, you know. Which one do you think that? Yeah, how many do, people Dave? can do your job? Yeah, yeah. pretty, pretty um, great. That was a good scene, but yeah, just like that whole thing, it just didn't need to be there. Like, why do they have to be disliked and you know all these rebellious sort of in that school sense teens? Like, yeah, um, obviously you know they're a little bit naughty and want to go. And the other thing is like, how how old are these girls? Like 14. 14. Yeah. See, and the whole this like love interest thing that was going on just. I didn't quite like, uh, like when they're talking, um, Billy, I think Billy goes, oh, what do you got? Like when you go make out or hook up with um, Simon or whatever his name was. Um, I was like, aren't these kids like 13? Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's the Riverdale problem. Like you know? just, um, but the other thing, like big shout outs to what, as what Adam was saying, big shout outs to Wesker for just leaving a box of highly classified, um, you know, Stuff just lying around, just so that you know it's right there. It's it's labelled nicely, Raccoon City. You know, you got to you know. Thanks for that, Lance. Um, that was good. But yeah, you know, it's 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 little stuff like that that you kind of go that you know that you roll your eyes and you go, like, come on, like. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, yeah, I, I yeah, the high school drama not not good, um, and that's what nearly drove me like right off. I actually think the both actors uh, were really good. Um, I think that the, because I didn't like them really, like I thought that was more on like their acting, as in like you know the characters that that uh, they were playing, rather than I just didn't like them. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought all the acting was was pretty good. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of things that just are there because they're there. Like, I don't quite really know how to feel. About them, like, like I really, I find Jade, older Jade, really, really annoying. Um, and there are certain moments in the game, oh sorry, in the game, in the show, like that one on the on on the boat where she pulls in that. Ah um, uh, yeah. Uh, what do they call them? Zombie or whatever. Zeros. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, and then it gets fucking loose, and then it goes and kills that chick, and that that's that's, it's not talked about or it's not really like discussed or anything. It just, I mean, obviously things go down and she has to abandon ship kind of thing. But I was like, what a fucking shit move. What a dog move. Like surely you would have some, like, ugh, I wanted the husband to kill her. Yeah. It's, it, dumb idiot. <laughs> it's, it's one of those horror movie moments where you go, ah, oh, I can't believe the character fucking did that. That's the, no. But she, ha- but she has so many of those. Well, this yes. show is filled with so many of those. It's like the the dog in 2022. It's like, yeah, because, you know, you're going through like this highly restricted lab. Of course, you're going to open this locked, sealed gate thing. and Rabbit looking it. dog. Yeah. and <sighs> anyway. Give it a pat. Anyway. Yeah, just put um, your hand in. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, I think you've inadvertently struck on something that I, I came away really positive on is Jade's characterization when she's older. I, I don't think she's meant to be a 
likable character. Um, and you know, your mileage on that can, can definitely vary. I, I don't begrudge anybody that. And I think the show itself doesn't fully grapple with the extent of her actions, specifically like getting her pregnant friend killed is like shockingly violent uh, as an outcome for her, her kind of choices. Um, but I think that what the show is doing is, at least presenting like, you know, the, the climax of the show is her sister being like, yo, it's always fucking been about you. Like this is your world kind of thing. And I think that is like the thesis statement of what they're doing with those sisters is that Jade is a Wesker just in a different breed. Like, uh, you know, Weskers are inherently selfish, very driven towards their own goals and are going to fucking get a bunch of people killed in the process. Um, Jade just exists on the good guy spectrum of that. You know, I, I think that her goals are altruistic, but that doesn't mean that the choices she makes to get there don't make her a Wesker still. Um, and you know, uh, you know, again, if it works for you or if it doesn't is, is a whole other thing. Um, but I do think it's a deliberate choice to make her unlikable, um, or at least unsympathetic, uh, I guess, uh, except for the stuff with her daughter, I think comes in at the end to soften her out a little bit. But at the same time, again, though, she has a daughter in that room with the chained up zombie and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? And bad mom, for bad me, mom. Exactly. And I didn't, I didn't read that as a, Oh, you're, you're a dumb character in a horror story making the wrong choice. I read it as, as the hubris of this particular version of a Wesker is the kind of person that would be like, yeah, I can get away with this. Um, So I I enjoyed the mistakes these characters made because I felt that they were very deliberate writing choices. Mm. Yeah. But fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) You raise a good point, Zach. Just, oh, that scene just made me like... And, like, you knew it was coming. Like, you knew something was going to go down. Either the kid was going to get bit or something. I mean, as soon as the kid got out of the um, the room, I was like, no, nah, this someone close, like the husband or someone's going to die. And, yeah, I thought yeah. the husband was on the chopping block for sure. I mm. didn't see the, the pregnant uh, pregnant friend copying it, but yeah, uh, She didn't see it either, mate. And, uh, came out <laughs> it was effective, though. It was, yeah. Like was it job. certainly elicited a response. Mm. It did, yeah. So on, on on the zeros, that's probably the other thing that I didn't, I never grasped, I never understood, and Nathan kind of alluded that there was a reason why, and maybe I just haven't. Like uh, the idea, I think is on, the idea that I think why is maybe the reason, but why do the zombies in this run? Like why do they all super athletes? They just they run like in in the games. Obviously, they're quite slow, and uh, here they're like in packs, and they. Um, I never quite understood why was was it simply an evolution of the virus like um but that's what I guessed but I think that's the reading that I got is the that, that the, yeah the the crux of a lot of what Jade was doing in 2036 was studying how they've evolved and how they've um adapted to their environment how they're like they're they're all blind now and they kind of go by scent rather than anything else I think it was uh, a product of that showing that they've maybe, you know, they're not as, not as sharp and not as, not as able in the the senses, but they've evolved to move around that by hunting with scent and being faster and, and whatnot. Cause the, the short little bits that we see of the virus in 2022, like with the, the zombie dog and whatnot, are pretty typical resident evil fare. Not that we saw any out and out zombies, but what we do see of the virus is pretty typical resident evil. But then when you, zoom back to 2036 they've evolved a bit and there's like the the part with the um 
the the chick with the big cyst on her neck controlling the the horde the showing them yeah mother, showing yeah. that there's evolution there as well so yeah i think it was more just the t virus evolving to to give them different abilities mm. later in later in their zombie lives i also wonder if it's less so my interpretation of these zombies is that they haven't technically died uh like you know i think what's happening with um yeah, right. okay. uh uh, not Jade with uh, Billy in the uh, 2022 timeline where you see her going through like the initial stages of the infection where it's like hallucinations, violent outbursts and kind of like loss of self basically. Um, Cause this, like the new T virus joy is very much presented as like a, a, a brain chemical altering mm. thing. Um, so to me, it's less like, well, if they haven't physically decayed to the point of death, they would still possess their faculties, you know, like the ability to run, let's say. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the sense loss is just a, a side effect of it. Um, I, I like them in concept. I don't think they look very good. Like, no. I think I think the makeup is probably my biggest gripe uh, with this is that they just don't... It just looks a bit cheap to me. Um, yeah. But. I found it to I be a bit inconsistent. The, um, yeah, Zach, yeah. You, were, you were rough on it. You were like, nah, it looks like shitty makeup. But there were, there were some that, like the... Um, the kid that gets that's infected in the tunnels um that's mm. with the the parents he literally looks like he's he's jumped into one of his parents makeup drawers and yeah kind of yeah, slapped bit of eyeshadow on, and just yeah, yeah slapped on some foundation <laughs> and and doesn't yeah. know how to contour properly um but then i found that there were others that looked really decent like but like the that zombie mother with the big cyst she looked mm. gnarly like she looked or the one that they get on the boat i think also looks yeah. really good yeah like the the waterlogged one and the, mm. the zombie mother like some of them look really really good but i think it was just yeah wildly inconsistent and you do get the the ones that look really shoddy particularly the kid the kid just did not do well for me looked like he went to the ross show and got his face painted <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's yeah like obviously those two ones that you bring up there focus parts of you know, yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, but it's just like when you're in big packs, you can kind of tell mm. who's had, you know, who spent more time in the makeup chair than others. Um, all right, anything else that you, James, that you want to talk about before we, on the story, before we move on? Um, I mean, it's kind of the, the, the thrust of my review is that I, I do think that this changes Resident Evil into a generational trauma story. It is my, my catchphrase for, for the show. Um, I think that, you know, they very obviously are doing something with the way that uh, Wesker and uh, Evelyn are sort of engaging with their family units. And then you flash forward into the, the future. Giving Jade a kid is the thing that I was like, oh, okay, you're very obviously talking about the way that you are raised and then the way you raise your kids in turn. It's just done through the lens of a zombie outbreak um and i i really like that as a, as a core thrust i think it could do to focus on it a bit more hopefully in the next season they can sort of zero in a bit more on i think the emotional truths of the show um but yeah as far as the story goes that's my biggest takeaway is like okay there's there's an idea at the heart of the show mm. and um a couple of, yeah like uh one thing that you might be able to clear up for me is in in the second timeline in 2036, we see Billy is, looks like she's controlling Evelyn. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And that's, again, something I didn't quite 
get. Like I didn't. There was a period in the 2022 timeline where um, I, I don't remember who was having this conversation with Evelyn, but she was talking about the idea that I think firing off certain sounds or neurons in the brain after it had been exposed to too much joy could lead to them controlling consumer reactions. Um, again, it's not very good at connecting these dots. It just very quickly drops you something and then doesn't talk about it for three episodes and then suddenly Evelyn's dancing to Dua Lipa. Um, you know, they demonstrated <laughs> with the dog in episode three with yeah. the flashing lights. Yeah, that's it, the, the calming down of the dog. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, th- those threads are there. They, they, they could be, you know, needled better, um, but, yeah. The other thing I didn't like, I think, uh, James, I couldn't tell from your review if you did like it or not, So, but the okay. music choices. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, that that's kind of it. Like, I, I don't know if I liked it or not. Um, I, I think that it is a, a, a deliberate choice. I, I think that going for a tonal mismatch is something that it's fine as a choice. You know, welcome to Raccoon City to this as well, right? Where you've got yeah. that um, 90 Leon song playing or the whatever song it was. Exactly, Gosh. yeah. Um, so, I thought that was good. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's it. Like, I, I enjoy it as as a bit of fun. Um, I think the songs themselves are generally really good. Like, it's a. it seems like a lot of the budget would have gone to the licensed music on this because there are some real bangers in here, from my point of view at least. Um, so I ended up liking the tone that it creates, uh, but I can very easily see somebody not. Yeah, I didn't. wasn't a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't a oh, fan. There, there was one for me that I did enjoy, and I'm glad that we brought this up. And I, I briefly mentioned it last week. It was the use of Jamiroquai in a particularly, I thought it was entertaining action sequence that used a heavy amount of tracking shots, or tracking mm-hmm. shot, that I thought was, uh, its inclusion was a bit odd. You know, it seems like every show has to have that one sh- impressive budget shot, tracking yeah. shot now and yeah but i don't know having jamiroquois feels feels just like it should playing as the track with this sort of high octane action sequence with this particularly unlikable character mm. made me smile and that gun I, as soon as i saw it i was like <laughs> oh for fuck's sake this is working for me <laughs> um, um but so we'll quickly so we'll talk scenes for a bit so you we're talking about the um the prison scene uh, is it in prison? France. Yeah, I guess yeah, the, well the, the cultist cult, tunnels. Cu- yeah, yeah. The, the cult scene, which was um, full all that whole uh, time frame. Well, not sorry, not time frame, but that whole period was of that show was full of uh, full of Easter eggs. There, um, actually, that's probably it's a mixed effect. Probably the nearly the best part of the show for me. Like. Um, I don't know. It'd be up there. Um, I really didn't. I, did, I really quite liked that character. I can't remember who who he, who he was. The umbrella the, guy. The guy that yeah. was more or less Barry, goofy Barry. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I quite liked him, um, and I did. Yeah, but, but when he went a bit uh, John Wick on all the on all the <laughs> oh my was, god, didn't he pull that out of nowhere? Good lord. Did. Uh, but like you know, James, that like that scene and uh, the guy with the chainsaw and and the burlap. Mm. the sack and uh you know instantly i was like my man <laughs> um, so you know like and there's and then later on in that sequence where uh she's gone back and she's got the she's cut the head off and then she's locked herself in that room i think she's locked herself in the room and she and she mm. breaks the crate um to, yeah to get yep. the grenade and then there's that shot of of the typewriter in the in the in the backdrop and i was like oh. I missed the typewriter. Okay. Did you? I did yeah. too. Yeah. So there's a, so yeah. So, and that, I'm trying to think if it's when she's sitting, 
I think it's when she realizes that she's fucked. Right. Um, before she's seen the grenades and she's against the against the wall, like she sits down. It kind of pans back. And there's like a typewriter and like you can you can see like the type. So it gives off that like safe room vibe. I, I, Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so what you're saying is she saved the game, tried the grenade thing, and if she failed, she was just going to reload the save? Pretty much. Yeah, um, nice. Yeah. So uh, that scene was quite good. Any any other scenes that you – or Easter eggs that you want to talk about? Um, the Okay. So uh, when, once we find out that there are multiple Weskers, the, the clone Weskers, uh, <laughs> Uncle Wesker comes along. Uh, that scene where they're in uh, Olive Garden uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, like <laughs> th- we didn't like him very much. He died in a volcano or something. Yeah. I was just very like, oh, good. okay. Yeah, I, it got a, a genuine laugh out of me. And again, it's because of Lance Reddick. Like he just, he showed up for work even with that script. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I did enjoy that. What do you think of the multiple or the clones? Um, <laughs> okay. So, okay. I, I don't hate the concept. Uh, for me, I didn't like the outfit that they gave main Wesker just because, uh, I think it looked cheap. Like it looked like fake leather. Um, and I, I get what they were going for, uh, I guess, but, um, yeah, great in theory. Execution was a bit wobbly. It was mega tacky, mm. but I thought that like I always thought Wesker looked mega tacky. He was the Japanese idea of what a, a a white villain should be. You know, if you see it in the Yakuza games, that's always trench coat, black sunglasses, Mm -hmm. cheap. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Anna was quite a fan of old Bert. Um, Bert. Yeah. I like Bert. And when they were in the, (laughs) in the lab, like right at the very end and, uh, Bert goes, no, like, I'll go. Oh, sorry, I'll stay and you go. Yeah. And Anna was like, oh, no, like, oh, I like Bert kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good old Bert. Uh, but, yeah, the but on the actors, like, you know, like Lance Redick is, is very good. Um, I don't know how to pronounce Evelyn's name, so you have to. Yeah, I've been staring at it for the past few minutes trying to figure that out as well. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to butcher it. it for us. Uh <laughs> Paula Nunez, let's say. Um, I dedicated a whole... Yeah, exactly. I put a whole paragraph in my review just about her. I think that she delivers such a interesting performance as Evelyn. Um, Simultaneously unhinged and completely unrelatable, but also little glimpses (laughs) of like... I see the woman you are, you know, I, I see the world that you're in. Like, I think that making her sort of follow on from the, the Marcus uh, legacy and redeeming the company, even if she's batshit insane herself, um, you know, I, I think it's a very relatable drive and giving her that, that queer family dynamic as well is such an odd, tiny choice. Uh, but it is one that I think goes at least part of the way to humanize her and leads to easily one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. Um, her, uh, the, the love interest of um, Jade as, as a kid gets bitten at some point um and everyone's kind of like looking at evelyn for what she's going to do in this moment they're like look we can help you you know it doesn't have to be this way and she just fucking shoots her son through the head and i was like like i, I cheered i was like this is exactly the kind of villain i i want for this show i think that the the break that she has after that moment after pulling that trigger is is so compelling and weird and resident evil i, I loved yeah. it did you expect her to do that 
No. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like with a lot of these uh, stories, and it, this happens in a lot of genres as well, like these women are allowed to be evil, quote unquote, to a certain extent. And then there's always one moment at the end where they're like, they remember the goodness in their hearts or fucking whatever bullshit it is, right? Um, and so I think allowing uh, her to go complete girl boss insane um, is is just a great narrative choice. She's a CEO. She went full CEO. And full she's CEO, CEO of <laughs> yeah. Umbrella. What else exactly. is she going to do? See, I'm, I, I'm glad they committed to it. I picked yeah. it. But only because at all points during the 2036 timeline, you never actually hear about the kids. I was like, mm. he must die. Like, he must die. Yeah. Um, See, I... That. I had him pegged as the the father of the of Jade's daughter that somehow oh, yeah. died later on in the piece in the okay. like between mm-hmm. 2022 and 2036. So that's okay. I I did yeah I didn't see Evelyn full braining him <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> um on on her though, she yeah, her her character was fantastic and I think the the lead up to her big moment, big moment shooting your son in the face is a weird way to put that. <laughs> Um, the little moments where the veil slips, where she is seen as a human in front of her, mm. her employees as, is really great. Like when she's on the phone and her wife is blasting her about never being home and you see how distressing that is to her because she has that facade up of that. She's almost not human, that she mm. is just all work. I think those little moments where things slip for her and with, um, with her son confronting her, at, at the house and saying, you know, you're, you're drugging mum and putting yeah. joy in her drink and her slightly losing control was such a great way to build up to her then braining her son and completely <laughs> losing control of the situation, but then gathering herself back up. So I think yeah. they actually built to that moment really well with her character. Yeah. And she's an interesting inverse of Wesker in that sense where like Wesker is trying to, pre- well, and is presenting as like a genuinely caring dude he wants the the best yeah. things right and then his mask slips sometimes and you're like oh there's wesker um yeah. and so it's an interesting kind of back and forth that i think those two characters have i really did like the um the little little uh story we got of the journalist or the the, the guy mm. investigating yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought that was a good little piece as well um and i liked his part um yeah i'm, I'm sad they kind of brought that up and then just killed it like relatively mm. Quickly. Yeah, he was um, a bit of a means to an end, old mate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought maybe there might have been some breadcrumbs left for them to, but yeah, maybe there will be in season two. Uh, yeah, so like the actors were great. What do you think of both um, adult versions of the kids of Billy and Jade? I was... I'm only eager to see more of Billy. I, I think that was the surprise that because uh, you, you don't really see you, you you can't get an impression of her character. I think until the last episode, and even then, it's a bit tenuous because she presents different fronts, which I think is very exciting because she comes across as the genuine and more soft-spoken of the two in 2022, and to find out that she's perhaps the more unhinged, um, the more Wesker-esque of the two is not the twist that you see coming initially. Um, And I I was, yeah, to see her really sort of take over the mantle of Wesker in that last episode, she's in the trench coat. She'll happily walk into the middle of a shitstorm and pretty much smile. She's not shaken by it. 
Um, that's a that's a villain I'm, I'm keen to see a bit more of, especially considering she's got Evelyn under her wing, which I didn't quite fully understand, but I'm keen to to see them flesh out the fact that we see this Evelyn between... Like, this is the one character that we see between both timelines who were not quite sure has undergone a whole lot of change and she doesn't even look to have aged. Let's see where that one goes. It's the joy, mate. Well. Yeah, so I thought they were yeah, they were both very good. Um, kids and adult versions, both good. Lance good. Evelyn good. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I, I thought I thought the acting was was yeah, pretty solid for what it was. Um, yeah. Keen to, yeah, I'm I'm definitely keen to see more. Um, because I think the more that I watch, the more I you know, I enjoy it and I that was let me. and I let the I let the you know all the all the old stuff go and I just accept it, just take it. Take I think what there were there were enough of those little Easter eggs and references in there that when they do crop up, um, you as a fan of the the older games in particular probably piqued your interest. Like when um, they they throw in what's a Lisa Trevor the the, oh, the chick yeah. with the yeah like with her her mum's face. Uh, on her, yeah, on her like head the, with the, the yeah yeah, the, with oh, the, yeah and the big yeah. eyeball that opens up like when they mm-hmm. they throw that in and old mate Barry not Barry saying he's the the master of unlocking like there are those little little moments that are still still paying off for old school mm. Resident Evil fans but yeah it's something new which is fun. Well, I was keen to see if uh, if at least Zach would comment on the Moonlight Sonata. Oh the um, the puzzle. Yeah, didn't really do much for me. Didn't do much for you. Nah. Really quaint. Nah, <laughs> Made me I thought smile. it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it was. Yeah, it was fine. But it, I was, I guess I was expecting something like. You got hyped up for it, did little, you? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I, f- I feel like when you said, "Oh, you know, they like they do like a, a puzzle, like a a really good service," I was expecting. I don't bore. Maybe more. I talked it up. Yeah, I, were, I, I I grinned from from. But I also found that whole that. that whole thing a little bit. Like that oh, the, whole the scene, Scooby like doing drag, around the house. Yeah, like dragged oh. on for way too long, and I just <laughs> yeah, and just like, how can Umbrella be the fucking biggest company in the world? Probably the most secure place, and you know, or one of the most secure companies on earth. And this little shit can just bypass all the, <laughs> like, is it be, because he's the daughter of? Oh, sorry, he's the daughter. He's the son of old mate. So I don't know that that part kind of just. That's fair. On that note, because I know I've been very glowing in in this podcast, uh, one thing that did genuinely not bother me, but I was like, what is this? Uh, When they break in and they set off the alarm after letting the dog loose, and then there's just no one in the building for the next 20 minutes. I was like, you own the whole town. Where where is everybody? (laughs) Um, That that definitely felt, uh, that that stretched my, yeah, yeah, it was a bit much. I think there are a few moments of that too, where they're just like, mm. there's no security anywhere, even though they are fully aware that there are shenanigans afoot. There's yeah, (laughs) a severe, maybe they're they're just understaffed. Who knows? But it's like, surely even Evelyn or someone would be like, um, you know, like an alarms, like an alert on their phone, like an alarm's gone off and Mm. thing. You know, you can look at the cameras or the, you know, there's just, there was like nobody, isn't there like a security person there somewhere even a janitor (laughs) um yeah anyway we'll um we'll we'll get close to wrapping it up but 
there was a question I had and I've completely forgot what it was. Something about the puzzle and then you, before the puzzle, can't remember. Uh, anything else we want to add? I have one question for, for you. Um, how did you feel about the little, like, before the credits uh, stinger at the end there? Remind me. Sorry. The, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Wesker gives uh, Jade, like, a bit of paper. He's like, you know, go oh, find yes, her. yes, yes, um, You know, Ada Wong. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I did, well, on that bit of paper, I did expect it to be a, like, a known character. Didn't actually uh, guess... Wong, I thought it might okay. be like a like a Chris Redfield or like a Jewel Valentine or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. but no, I'm good. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Okay. But I'll be honest. I I wanted it to be Alice. Um, but uh, that's oh my God. that's me. That that's my my sick and twisted desire for this franchise. So, um, but no, like I thought. Um, also, like some of the monster design was quite good. That's what I was going to say. Just like very very briefly. Uh, like because that's. Because most of them would be probably be Easter eggs, so like the spider that that, that we saw in, yeah. um, in mm-hmm. the sewer, which is from the uh, two and three, I think, from memory, or zero as well, maybe. Um, I can't remember now. Um, that, and then we had uh, what was the other one that we got? There was another the, big, the one. big alligator, oh, the, the crocodile, big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, which, or okay, I've, I've got to ask: Do we know why it didn't eat the fucking girl? Yeah, no. Yes. The, the yes. blood. The pheromone. <laughs> That's what I thought. Okay, I thought it was the the pheromone, but, but I'm like, when did she spray it? When, when did she put it on? We, she we didn't see her put. Yeah, so that's why mm. I kind of didn't. Uh, but so yeah. It took me a bit, yeah. That's, yeah, that wasn't my reading of that at all. It makes all the sense in the world because I was, I remember when that happened, I was like, but the zombie tried to eat her. That makes no sense. Mm. But, yeah, she didn't, yeah, I suppose didn't have the pheromone at the time. So, yeah, that checks out. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is what I thought. But then I was like, we didn't actually see her. And also, when did, um, when, like, when did they even bottle it? You know, when did she even, anyway, questions <laughs> for another time. Uh, any any uh, final thoughts? Anything that you'd love to see? What would you, uh, no, how would you like them to approach season two, James? Uh, I think that they've hinted at some really interesting stuff with Umbrella being a, essentially a fascist movement at this point, like having control over the remaining safe parts of Earth and violently wielding that, I think makes perfect sense for the future of that company. Uh, I think that would be really cool to explore a bit more. Um, I, as we said before, I think, you know, Billy becoming the the evil Wesker and the head Wesker, I think is a really interesting term for that character. And I really hope they continue the kind of, you know, two, two sisters at war, you know, two, two Weskers going head to head. Um, I think as long as they hold on to sort of what I saw as like the core value of, of this being like a, a family drama, um, I, I don't mind where they go next as long as it's entertaining. Cool. Nathan, you got any thoughts on where you would like to see them go? Yeah, I want to see the trajectory of Evelet a bit more um, because we don't, I, one thing I really like about Resident Evil, um, and it's kind of it ebbs below the surface, but they definitely bring it out big time in Seven, is there's normally some kind of like crazy family dynamic. There's a family that's really fucked up and that brings a lot of humour and suspense and it's kind of lacking here because the Weskers, they have a, a pretty vanilla family dynamic for the most part, but we don't have like the Baker family. So um, I'm wondering if they're gonna gonna pull on those threads because even um, I can't remember what the family is in like the first game or whatever um, where they're like experimenting and there's the daughter is it Alice 
What's else in the first family? Oh, I'm oh, getting my Resident mean, Evil law mixed um, up now. Number two, Cherry. Is it? No, that's Cherry. Birkins? Birkins, yeah. yeah. Uh, or, or do you mean like the people who own the original mansion? Uh, the oh. um, Spencers. Spencer's. That's Cherry, sorry. Spencers. No, not there Cherry. Yeah, so, so um, uh, what's, what's the word? No, I, I've, lost, I've lost my thread there, but, but a, a funny family dynamic. Funny is the wrong word. <laughs> Adam, any, uh, any thoughts? Uh, not really. I'm just keen to see where it goes. I didn't have any expectations going into season one, um, so I'd like to kind of tread the same water with season two. I'd like them to surprise me again, and hopefully, as long as it's as entertaining, hopefully more entertaining than this, I'll be more than happy. Easily cool. pleased. Uh, pretty simple for me. Keen to see where they, because I think the bit of paper that they get, that had Ada's name on it, it's they're going to Japan, or that's where they're. So uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how they, uh, how they show that, because um, obviously you know New Brecon City was it's such a contained area, um, and then going out into Japan, I want to see what they do with that, and if they do bring in more old school characters like Leon's, don't do a Welcome to Raccoon City. That's <laughs> all I ask. That's all I ask. But I'd be keen to see like more new takes on them, like how we did with um, West Grand. That maybe uh, my mate Cole Chandler can play like different podcasts, but maybe he can play um, Leon. Just a just a quick uh, interlude there. Based on Resident Evil Seven and Eight, we're still not a hundred percent clear on where Chris Redfield stands with Umbrella. Is that correct? Because we know that Chris they, is with. They reformed Umbrella, Umbrella as. Good Umbrella. I forget the exact name of it. Um, I think, um, and then I think Village revealed that Good Umbrella had been invaded by Old Bad Umbrella. Yeah, because they were weaponizing mind. zombies again. Yeah, from from memory. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm wondering if if that comes to the fore in any way uh, in, in season two, even if we get whisper of Chris or or what mm. was the good intent of Umbrella, if that's still there in any any sense. Mm. As long as he gets his biceps out, I'll be fine. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> Have him punch a boulder, you know. Do it. <laughs> Do it, you cowards. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening to this episode of the Well Played VHS uh, podcast. You can check out James' review on the website, www.well-played.com.au. Share it around. Link it to your friends because it's a great review. James, you've done, you've killed it. Um, thank you. Thank much you. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for coming on. Hope you had the chat. If you have played, sorry, not played, if you have watched the Resident Evil series, let us know on James's review. Go in the comments and leave one there and tell, tell us what you think. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time we do a TV and film potty. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye.